All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World. I am delighted to uh, be back again. We've got another two podcasts this week. And uh, today is going to be an interesting one. It's been one that we've uh, been looking forward to, I think, probably since I would say about September time, something like that. I'm dying to get into this uh, conversation with Serby Rathor, the CEO of Symbol AI, because this technology is very unique. Most of the time or lots of the time, you'll hear us talk on this te- on this podcast about uh, different types of NLP-based technologies, but most of the industry seems to be gravitating towards kind of like conversational AI, conversations between bots and humans. But there's nothing wrong with that, but there is a whole bunch of data that exists within the conversations that you, your customers, your users are having every single day that you can utilize to great effect. And so I'm dying to get into this conversation with Serby today. Uh, before we do that, shout out to Deepgram, uh, one of our presenting sponsors for this episode of VUX World. Deepgram is one of the industry leaders uh, in terms of speech recognition. People and companies are using this technology to power voice bots and a whole bunch of other use cases uh, around that as well. Anything that requires speech recognition, uh, turning all audio spoken words into text deepgram is uh, definitely where we would recommend they are incredibly good with pricing incredibly high levels of accuracy you can retrain those models as well to make it specific to your domain and so if you are in the market for a speech recognition system do check out deepgram you can go to deepgram.com forward slash vux world that's deepgram.com forward slash vux world our other presenting sponsor, ironically enough, is joining us today. So I'm not going to talk too deeply about Symbol AI because you can hear it uh, from Serby herself in two minutes' time. Um, but what I will say is that this episode of VUX World, we do have a partnership with Symbol AI. This episode is not part of that partnership. We don't charge companies to feature on the podcast. The podcast is basically companies that I'm interested in exploring, use cases I'm interested in learning about, and things that I think you, the VUX World community, will be interested in as well. So it's just purely ironic that we have Serby joining us today from Symbol AI. And without further ado, we will welcome Serby Rathor, CEO of Symbol AI, onto VOX World. Serby, welcome. Hello. So nice to be here, finally. I know we've been trying to schedule this for times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the last time was COVID, so uh, I hope everything is all good in your household now. Uh, yes, I am fully recovered, and so is everybody else. So all good. Good, 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 good. Uh, yeah, it seems to be mad COVID. My dad had it uh, recently. I've managed to avoid it, weirdly enough. I don't know how I've managed to get away with good. it. Uh, <laughs> good for yeah. you. Don't say that. Was it bad? Were you bad? Like, was it bad? It was, I think, two days were super bad. But otherwise, that it was just like a bad flu. That's right. pretty much it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, at least it wasn't so bad. I kind of want to get it. I think the, 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 according to what I read, not that I read in too much detail about it, but getting vaccinated and then getting COVID appears to be like the winning combination. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's also yeah. a bit of FOMO now. Do you, did you have COVID? No, I did not. Well, I had COVID. So like people yeah. cross to the other line of the bridge now. <laughs> exactly. And in like in 10, 20 years time, when people look back at this moment in time and the people who managed to kind of pull through it without any scars or whatever, um, it's kind of gone. I think you might be a bit of an outcast if you didn't have COVID. So I, I know, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, welcome to the show. I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon to have you on. Uh, it's, Symbol AI is a company I've been incredibly interested in, um, as I mentioned in, in the brief intro there, for, for quite a number of months. I think I come across it first around about six months ago or so, maybe it's a little bit longer actually. Um, and, you know, been following the journey congratulations on on the funding round and uh yeah keen keen to explore it we've got some questions coming in already which we'll get to uh in a moment but i think first it might be just useful for the people tuning in if you were able to give us a bit of a background to yourself uh and then how how symbol ai came to be and then we'll get into exactly what symbol ai is and what it does and how it works and all that kind of stuff yeah, absolutely. Well, hello, everyone, who, whoever are listening or will listen the recordings. Uh, but I'm Serbi Rator. I'm the CEO and co-founder of the company. Uh, we started Symbol almost three and a half years back with the foundation of building a developer-first platform to analyze conversations at scale. And uh, we, my background, uh, I'm an engineer and worked in software for a really long period of time. Eventually got exposed to real, the whole pre-sales and sales motion of technical products, specifically on the conversational AI side. So spent some time in the telecommunication space looking at voice bots and virtual assistants and was really inspired by how human conversation data, our speech, our audio, our video, uh, and multiple other 
channels like text and email will together really define uh, the new experiences which are being built. So it's not about one single channel or one single data. It's really about all interactions that are happening place across the board. And that's how Symbol came into existence. So today our primary use cases are converting voice and audio into context and structure and provide it easily through simple APIs to developers, uh, whether real time or using a WebSocket or asynchronously for recorded files, URLs, uh, as well as for telephony endpoints. Uh, it's a cloud-based solution at this point of time, and uh, we are really excited to power some of the use cases specifically around like a lot of people trying to build their own gong and chorus. And if you have heard about that, we'll talk about real-time call coaching in a bit, which seems to be one of the most important applications that is happening today to measure the quality of human interactions and improve them. So yeah, that's a, a little bit about the company. So where did it where did it come from then? Where did your kind of it sounds as obviously you've had just some experience working in the AI field, some experience yeah. on the kind of technical side, experience with voice bots. Where did the need for something like Symbol come from? I think it was a natural evolution for us in the area that we were working. We were so exposed to customer interactions at scale, both me and my co-founder. Uh, we spent like almost a decade looking at all the software workflows and products and building them that improves customer interactions at scale, whether it is reducing average call handling time or creating better workflows and all of that. It was primarily in the contact center space that we really experienced. And then self-service was another big area of disruption from like, what, how can you put virtual assistants in a self-service interaction, which will help uh, reduce the load of new tickets getting raised or decrease the time to resolutions for end customers. We we did all of that for developers in the telco space. That was the focus area. And so it, it was a lot of exposure to the type of interactions, the type of go-to-market that naturally led to the next in this entire space, which is there are great technologies which are being built today that you can apply for NLU for chatbots and for building virtual assistants. But when you try to use the same technology for human interactions, the voice calls, the sales calls, the meetings that happens all across the globe now, humongously high volumes, it you cannot get the same results because it is more unstructured, it's more chaotic, and it takes a different foundational building from an NLU standpoint to analyze this conversation data. So that was the start. Also, we saw a lot of companies spending massive amounts of dollars and investing into building their own data science teams to build this from ground up without having enough predictability of where will we land, what use cases will we build, and what experiences will we create. So it, it was a complete green space. There were products like Gong, Chorus, Observe that were starting and building great experiences from an end user standpoint. And the need of every single SaaS platform to have a communication endpoint to understand their customers only seemed to increase. So with Symbol, our goal is to enable these product builders utilize the conversation and communication data in their products and build experiences that will fuel the next stage of growth within their ecosystem. Mm, interesting. So what would be an example? I mean, you mentioned a couple of examples of the type of voice data, essentially types of conversations that are happening within organizations, voice calls, you know, sales calls, meetings, and a whole bunch of other calls that would happen in and around in and around organizations. Um, what would some of the examples be of some of the kind of intelligence that Symbol AI uh, can extract yeah, so we provide, uh, there are three layers to our product. One is the conversation processing layer, which is speech recognition, but with, uh, we call it like speech transcription plus, because it does more than just speech recognition. It will help you generate paragraphs, identify action phrases, analytics, like what's per minute talk time base, basic stuff, which just helps you process conversation data. That's our product line one. Second product line is around contextual insights. So if you don't know what to look in the conversation, you can use some of the APIs within this product to extract topics uh, topic hierarchies, automatically identify topics with the right sentiments, uh, also identify contextual insights like action items and follow-ups and questions, which, which are pretty baseline to every conversation data. And that's where we have kind of like identified and extracted 
these uh, structure from the conversation out of the box without having you to train anything or without having you to give an external vocabulary list. We don't need any of that. And this is what you get out of the box from Symbol. You can definitely calibrate based on use cases. And that's the customization layer that we offer at every single product. And the third one is pretty interesting, which is the domain intelligence product that we have that enables you to look for the things that you want to find. So all the intents, characteristics, themes that you want in the conversation, like agent empathy or politeness or negotiation or pricing, which would mean different things for your business because it's very specific to your domain. You can give a few examples to Symbol using trackers and we will generalize those examples and match them in meaning to other instances and give you back. The problem that it solves is that you don't need to build, continue to build custom classifiers for huge amounts of data. And also this intelligence is directly connected with everything else that you can generate with Symbol in the other product lines. And then we recently launched summarization, which seems to be uh, one of the most popular new uh, APIs that we released that are being used by marketing teams for building SEO content for customer contact center experiences to automatically summarize the conversation to even content, uh, giving recommendations and recap of what is it in content. So these are some of uh, the products that we have. But in addition to these, the technology itself and how it is available, we have a suite of APIs and SDKs, which enables easy access to this technology for developers so that your dependency on a data science team massively reduces in your organization and developers become the new AI and machine learning engineers with, with the access. And uh, there are also UI components and pre-built UI experiences that we enable that basically helps them to go to market fast and test different experiences quicker. Interesting. Democratize, democratizing essentially uh, in part access to, you know, pretty powerful machine learning models, basically. Absolutely. That definitely has been uh, the goal. Yeah. Interesting. It's um, it's interesting. So I wonder if we can dive into some of these areas. So you've got you've got the four kind of or three core kind of areas, conversation processing, contextual insights, domain intelligence. What would be an example of like the kind of company we'll get into those those details uh, in a minute if we can. What would be an example of the kind of companies that are that are utilizing this technology? You know, your background you said was in telco. Is it predominantly telco organizations that are utilizing it? Is it is it kind of varied across industries? Like where where will we most likely see Symbol AI in use today? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny because although I am an enterprise person <laughs> from the background, we didn't actually start selling into the enterprise until our first one year at Symbol. We were really excited with other startups uh, and mid-market companies that are really thinking about taking conversations to the next level by building those experiences. So our target became a lot of growth uh, stage startup companies as well as mid-markets that are trying to really build awesome use cases. We work with companies like in the webinar space, we work with companies like Airme, Tubilo, Remo, Experience Welcome, all these that are trying to build a very awesome accessibility and inclusive experiences in their products with live captioning, with taking advantage of that audio interaction itself and informing other workflows. Uh, We work with companies uh, like Bandwidth specifically, uh, which is uh, where they're focused on the lead generation use case, answering machine detection, outbound call center. We work with companies in the collaboration space. Uh, Update.ai is a great customer where they're building a customer success product and uh, using the calls uh, to inform next steps and actions and topics so as to fuel the customer success conversations to other areas in their business. Uh, yeah, so we work with a bunch of uh, high growth companies, I would say, and few few enterprises. Interesting. What, what would you say, how would you kind of um, summarize the the market as it stands as far as kind of like NLP solutions are concerned? Like, obviously, at the moment, you've got certain companies like the, the mostly large organizations that have, you know, and you know, team centers of excellence, you know, you mentioned data scientists, machine learning engineers and stuff, 
you know, large companies that have the resources to do that, which are, I would say, you know, if you look at companies like uh, Walmart, you know, a lot of the big banks in America have got a lot of this stuff like Citibank and a bunch of others, JP Morgan, all running this kind of stuff, you know, across various different channels and including things like biometrics and stuff. So, so there's a degree of sophistication, I would say, within some organizations. What's your, you know, in, in that kind of mid-market and also the enterprise and, and generally speaking, what's your kind of take on uh, the market's maturity as far as understanding the kind of products that are available and how they can utilize them? So, for example, with Symbol AI, there's a whole bunch of capabilities there, a whole bunch of value that can be captured, but a business somewhere needs to understand either that it's got a pain point or a need that it can solve. And so what's your general understanding or, or, or kind of like thoughts on the, the maturity of people's awareness around the capabilities that NLP solutions like this can, can provide? Yeah, I think the last two years were very interesting uh, because of the abundance of digital data, the uh, advancements that we have seen in just an application of NLP and machine learning and communication workflows has awesomely increased. Uh, overall, I would say I, I bisect the market into two phases. One is the builder's market and one is the buyer's market. And the builder's market are the teams which are very excited to build solutions. They are, whether it's data scientists or developers they and product managers, they have an approach to building custom solutions that best fit their ecosystem. And then the buyer's market are the ones which are looking to just de to deploy out-of-the-box solutions like products uh, that can directly integrate with some of the other workflows in their system and have and give them all this information out of the box so that they don't need to invest into building. And it depends upon the strategy of the business. Like, do you want full control, customization, cheaper scalability, and do you have resources to do that? Or do you want to get up to speed with analyzing some conversation data for your business first before actually building anything? So those are like the two core approaches. And a lot of solutions in the market are distributed across these two approaches based on the build and the buy. Within the build ecosystem, then we have technologies which are open source, uh, friendly and technologies which are out of the box cloud solutions APIs. And I think the open source initiatives still have a lot of data dependency, like we've heard uh, from customers that it is, it's very easy to get to a first outcome value, like deploy a model and get started in like probably less than half a day using the technologies that are available today, but getting that to production level, making sure that it actually works on the data that you need is still a big hassle. So, but if it's the core strategy of your company and you want to build that particular IP within your business, then that's definitely the way to go to continue to using, uh, continue to use open source technologies, build a data science team and practice and really have that uh, invested in. And then the other approach there is just the developers where they can access cloud APIs, which are available, use your existing, uh, spend more time on figuring out user experiences and how user will see all of that and, and invest the same dollars in solving that end user problems as opposed to solving the technology problems. So it again, depends upon I think the overall, whether this technology is mainstream for your business, how mainstream it is, do you want to own that IP? So answering all that questions defines one segment of the market. Within the builder's market itself, I would say there are tools which are amazingly available for building virtual assistant, intelligent virtual assistants and chatbots. That's one segment. The other segment is everything around voice analytics, uh, speech to text, I consider that as one bucket. And then the third bucket is really a, the conversational intelligence bucket, uh, which talks about conversations at multiple modes and not just voice itself and leverages the text content. Uh, all of this is still conversations. There's a whole NLP market that you can use on document data, on text data, which is available. Those are different NLP building blocks. And I think the type of data really, really matters when you're thinking about what technology to use and how to actually apply it. So I don't know if that was helpful, but that's mm. like an overview. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good breakdown actually. Um one of one of the use cases that I can see this working uh, pretty well for, especially with like almost like a combination of the the speaker diarization, plus the conversational processing and even summarization would be, you know, 
in, in call centers, there's obviously a huge thing with compliance, you know, like certain industries are heavily regulated. You need to make sure that you say certain things to people. Like if you ever get, you know, try and apply for a mortgage or speak to a mortgage broker and you have to sit there for five minutes while they start kind of, you know, reading you the T's and C's to make sure that we're not giving financial advice. There's a whole bunch of regulation that sits around it. So I can see there being a use case here around compliance. I, I want to get into some of the questions that we've got coming through. And by the way, if you're tuning in, please do stick the questions, any questions you have for Serbi in the comments, and we'll do our best to get to them. Uh, this one was a while back from uh, from Rajiv Kumar. You know, not necessarily looking at compliance, but that's a use case that I, I can see being pretty prevalent. But his, his question is, uh, is this solution available on-premise for things like contact centers uh, with the ability to run offline with no exposure to private clouds or I think you alluded to cloud-based earlier on is it is it purely a cloud solution and what's your thoughts on on-premise yeah so symbol is a cloud-based solution but I do think Rajiv popped the question when you were also talking about deepgram and deepgram folks are also our friends so Rajiv you can definitely check out deepgram I think they do support uh, <laughs> on-prem <laughs> solutions <laughs> cool cool apologies for the delay in that Rajiv uh, we've got another question from Richard Wozeka. Uh within the domains offering you mentioned the domain intelligence uh, have you have any experience with uh, utilizing this technology for retailers uh, any retailers using it and if so what kind of specific challenges or advice would you give uh, for retailers wanting to utilize uh, a solution like this? Yeah, I think uh, there is uh, the combination of building hybrid experiences for your own business where analyzing the free, free conversations which are happening on calls and identifying intents and converting it into your chatbot experiences, that's usually a big dependency on subject matter experts today. So we have seen retailers capitalizing on the other voice conversations data which are happening in the business and extracting intents and questions from there to build workflows within their chatbots. That has been a big use case. That really massively reduces your time to building a workflow for your virtual assistant experience and also helps you reduce dependency on subject matter experts for building that conversation design. So I hope that's helpful. Mm, mm, interesting. Um, I wonder if we can give some some other examples of some use cases because the one you alluded to uh, is is a really good one. the the outbound uh, the outbound dialer detecting voicemails and all that kind of stuff. I'm wondering if you can walk us through yeah. how how that looks and, and how it works. Yeah. So traditionally, answering machine detection, human detection, fax detection have usually been based uh, based on beeps and tones and voices. And it's definitely uh, it's definitely been a stretch to go beyond a certain accuracy. What Symbol does is brings the in addition to those aspects of voice and tones, we bring the content and the context itself uh, to the answering machine detection or the human detection within that initial one second, two seconds of the call period, so that a decision can be made with the outbound call center whether this call needs to be sent to an agent for a call because actually someone picked up the call and is answering or it needs to go into a voicemail and an answering a voicemail needs to be sent or the call needs to be disconnected so making that decision massively reduces the amount of dollars that you will invest into calls uh, which are actually not landing at the right moments usually and and leaving voicemails with before the tone actually occurred and sometimes you only see like, goodbye, thank you, in your voicemails. And you have no idea, like, why was it, <laughs> what was the intent of this? So anyway, so that's our, um, the outbound call center use case, I think it is, is pretty interesting because it, it, one, it saves a lot of dollars in terms of not leaving messages at incorrect instances, not actually connecting the call when it's not the right time. And then three, being able to provide the right message and leave it as a voicemail when people actually pick up uh, or when you have to actually leave the voicemail. The interesting piece is that uh, we've been uh, working with some customers on intelligent voicemails, uh, which is really highlighting and identifying the entities within that, transcribing that, which is now comes default with a few phones. But uh, that's, that's the area for outbound call center. Mm, it's interesting that because it's a it's a really good example of you know the, there's there's a lot to be said for um, the typical question that I think a lot of people that are not involved in this industry or technology have when they hear about AI and they hear about this kind of technology is this whole kind of like humans replacing jobs situation which I'm sure you've gone over numerous times in numerous conversations with numerous people in the past. Um, 
but it's it's kind of like you know if you look at the, the challenges that many businesses are facing most businesses could do with all the help they can get you know because people don't scale half as well as this technology can i think that that use case is a very good example of how ai technologies can be used to empower businesses so that they can then spend their resources in the right kind of areas as opposed to having people dial numbers to figure out if there's an answer phone and then yeah. all that messing around you know it's just a really great example of how ai can support businesses and help them do things better absolutely uh, the other one i think that is very interesting is uh, real time agent coaching or call coaching aspect where identifying the parameters of the quality of interactions that have happened before by myself or by people in my own team who are excelling at it and recommending me those quality parameters during the call itself and assisting agents but not just with knowledge base articles with more than that with my own voice and tone and the topics that i'm covering depending upon the intent of the call how much time am i spending in pricing versus listening versus talking talking and things like that and so real time agent coaching actually really impacts overall one the onboarding time of new people in the organization given that we are in now these remote weird times everything is remote and i think onboarding has become a big challenge not just in businesses to onboard their own employees but agents and sales teams and call center teams and trainers who are taking lessons and coaching uh, other students uh, so that area has been i think really amazing to see how our some of our customers are building the real time coaching experiences in their own domains again using our domain intelligence capabilities interesting is that is that the level of granularity that we're talking here is that a, a, yes. an agent can basically say how much time did i spend talking about payments and pricing versus other areas of the conversation yes absolutely uh, wow. and that's the technology uh, that we've built uh, so in simple we took a, from a technology standpoint a little different approach because we have we have spent Uh, a lot of time in the industry working on deep learning alone uh, in the beginning so when we started symbol we knew that deep learning alone is not sufficient to solve a problem like this uh, so we focused ourselves on building a hybrid architecture using both unsupervised and supervised machine learning uh, and that enables us to continue to monitor context of our conversations and augment ourselves uh, with a framework that helps us remove the biases of just deep learning alone Uh, and also helps us to expand the scope of where you can apply symbol at across multiple conversations and not just one type of conversation data and that's why we can enable identifying a structure of the conversation out of the box where you can segment the conversation into pieces and say this time was spent on x topic versus this time spent on y topic and so yeah that's that's about mm. it and that doesn't that so that doesn't require any training data whatsoever on behalf of the company Yes, so we don't need training data from our customers when they start using the platform. They can use our APIs out of the box. We do require sometimes if you want to fine tune the results to your specific use case and you're not satisfied with the out of the box uh, because it's either a new use case or you need more specificity within the application itself you can use our customization and calibration capabilities which your developers can do yourself like you don't need to build huge data volumes you can give a few hints and examples and then the system basically calibrates itself to develop that thin layer of customization on top of what you're already using so it really speeds up the process to go to market interesting so how, how so how do how do you we've got some questions coming through which I will get to and thanks for your patience everyone who's putting some stuff down there um but I'm interested in this whole kind of like training side of things so uh how 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 are you able to have a solution like this that is able to be deployed across lots of different industries demands use cases that doesn't require much training data like i could imagine is is it because you just recognize and the the models behind the scenes are trained on like the typical format of a conversation like most organizations are likely going to be talking about you know customer onboarding uh, sales complaints retention exit in exit in kind of like is 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 that what it is is it, are you kind of like 
yeah, how, how, how did you get to the point where you don't require training data, I suppose, is the question. <laughs> yeah. So there are three, three parts uh, of, depending upon what product and what application are you using. So for conversation processing products, speech recognition in itself is obviously primarily deep learning based. And we do have uh, some augmentation from an unsupervised standpoint. We do support uh, uh, multiple languages there. But on our next phase, which is identifying out-of-the-box insights, which are the topics and hierarchies and insights, uh, it's very hard to build a system uh, which can generally be applicable across multiple conversations with training data. So that's this is where we took our and uh, our technology is patented now. So we just got our patents approved a couple of months back, which is awesome. Uh, but uh, that that piece really helps identify the structure and various dimensions of the conversation itself using unsupervised machine learning. So think of it as literally your brain mapping the various dimensions of how the conversation is progressing while the conversation is progressing and helping index and create like an internal graph map of the various themes and the various instances and the topics that was discussed and how relevant were those topics. So we build all that brain for every conversations in its every single conversation in itself and expose that in form of topics and hierarchies and sentiments. There are some patterns that we recognize like action items, follow-ups and questions, which are not really specific to a type of domain and they really depend upon language modality. So if you think about action item, the modality of that action item sentence would be the same in a sales call versus a customer support call versus uh, versus a meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very futuristic. There are certain traits of the language itself from a linguistic standpoint that is very similar. And that's that's how that particular arm is collated. Uh, some those insights require some pattern recognition, so we use obviously deep learning there. And then our third, the domain intelligence piece, is really our zero shot learning. If anyone is familiar with that, it's the ability to be able to reduce the time from when you give instances and examples of what you want to find to when a model is built and actually applicable. So they are like zero shot learning. Think of them as like mini classifiers that get built within like a second or two seconds, which help you identify over our very big uh, in-house conversation model that we built. So those are like the different um, layers and they all connect with each other on the same base context understanding piece. Uh, And that's how all this information that we generate is fully contextually connected. Interesting. I think there'll be some people listening. If you have been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, there'll be some people tuning in who will be familiar with zero shot training and few shot training. We spent the back end of last year trying to explore a whole bunch of different emerging NLU solutions, and so uh, I thought hopefully people will have a, a degree of a degree of familiarity to that. So would it, would it be fair to say then that as you're processing audio audible data, the I have understood it right in that all of this context and all of this kind of like understanding is basically created almost in real time as the call is progressing. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Interesting. That's wicked. I want yeah. to jump into a, qu- a question from Rainer Bruns. Uh, shout out to Rainer. He's a CTO at Scotty Technologies and was on the podcast last week. So uh, if you haven't oh. saw that podcast yet, go and check it out. It was uh, it was incredibly insightful. Uh, so Rainer's question is, sorry, I might have missed this. Uh, what languages do you support? So is, is there, obviously, I'm assuming English. Is there any other language support outside of uh, English? Yeah, we, for transcription, we support multiple languages, uh, uh, but uh, we recently actually announced uh, trackers in Spanish as our second language. Uh, so the domain intelligence uh, piece that I was talking about is will be launched in Spanish uh, in beta, I think, over the next few months, which we are really excited about. It's our first language of intelligence and more to come. Uh, but we support multiple languages for transcription. Interesting. Um, what's, what has been uh, the challenges i suppose or the learnings that you've got from taking something that is a unique you know patented technology it's unique as far as what it does from from hearing the use cases and what it enables businesses to do and stuff like that the control that it gives you the insights it gives you you know it's not it's not sim- i wouldn't have said it doesn't sound like it's similar to a, a typical nlu system for example um so what have been the unique challenges or learnings that you've got from taking this patented technology and trying to kind of like make it applicable for Spanish? You know, what have you learned from that that's going to give you, uh, make the next language easier, should we say? 
<laughs> yeah, I think the way that we architected our first language itself was built in a way that it's very scalable to multiple languages. Uh, and that's, that was the objective. Uh, I think having a dependency on data to an extent always helps, uh, but not fully, basically uh, removes the core foundation of a huge dependency on data for moving to different languages. And that was the foundation of the system, like making sure we build a hybrid architecture and not a deep learning focused alone architecture, helped us at first to identify kind of like the framework that will help us scale faster. And that's what we did. Mm, interesting. Uh, question from Michael Nelson. Shout out to Mike. Uh, I don't know why it's looking all strange and funny on the screen there. Uh, how would your platform integrate with the legacy contact center or call recording platform? I suppose it's a bit similar to uh, the question from uh, from Richard, was it, or Rajiv earlier on. So obviously a lot of call centers and a lot of conversations that happen within businesses, there are kind of like legacy call recording systems that kind of record those calls. And often actually, I think they just record the audio and store audio files, which makes things even worse. You've got buckets and buckets of audio files kicking around everywhere. Uh, I don't know whether you've done this yet or, or before, but what would your kind of thoughts be on how to, you know, turn what is a legacy call recording system and turn that into a essentially a bucket of insight for the business. Yeah, we still uh, work with cloud-based recordings at this point of time. So like uh, if you have all the call recordings within your contact center and you're putting them on AWS S3 bucket or uh, data stores like that, Symbol can directly connect and uh, convert those recordings into insights, actions, transcription, all of that. And that will also help you get rid of those recordings, if at all. Uh, save some space, uh, save the capacity, <laughs> and invest that storage dollars into something else. But uh, yeah, uh, we don't have an on-premise solution today. So uh, if you have recordings on the premise, then we might not be the best fit for it. What would your kind of advice be to a company who, so I can't remember the exact numbers, but I know that it's something like, I think when we had Avaya on the podcast, obviously a large contact center provider, they were saying that it's somewhere in the region of 90% of their customers have on-prem solutions. Genesis have got, I think it's something in the region of 50 to 60% still on-prem. And so there's a, there's a big legacy kind of infrastructure there. Now there's lots of conversations that happen within businesses that are not in the contact center, lots of conversations happen in a whole bunch of different environments using a whole bunch of different phone systems and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but let's say that there's a opportunity, you know, a team of developers or, or a potential client has the need to uh, utilize this technology and they've got a choice basically. Do we spend time taking all of our archived stuff and trying to see what, what insights we can glean from our historic data or we can begin from now, which may be, you know, a, a cloud migration or, or you know, starting to record calls into a, a different environment so that they can utilize this technology. Would your advice be to spend time trying to analyze all of the stuff that you already have or to essentially begin from today and begin using the technology to extract insights and, and, and analysis from here on out? Yeah, I always think of the effort versus impact kind of framework in my mind is like, look at the effort that wouldn't take you to migrate those recordings into cloud versus the effort that would take you to just plug in new recordings and see the impact. And what's the end use case? Is the use case just to audit calls and audit historicals? Is the use case to save data space? Is the use case to learn from conversations actively and help with coaching? So I think those are the two factors, the effort versus impact and the use case that you're providing and what data maps towards so uh, I don't think that there is one right answer <laughs> to it. Mm. And it really depends upon the problem that you're, someone is trying to solve. Mm. Interesting. Another question from uh, Richard Warzecker. I think maybe as we touched on this when we were talking about that whole um, answer phone detection and handover and stuff like that. But is there is that an example of, or is there any other examples of uh, using a solution where a call center agent uh, smoothly hands off a conversation to your AI or vice versa? Uh, like a core core bot scenario. I know, I know, I know that Symbol AI isn't a, isn't a bot as such. But any uh, and any other examples or any examples of where um, the 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 Symbol AI technology is handing off to an agent or vice versa, or is it that the technology is running at the same time while people are talking, it's doing its work behind the scenes? Like, what's your thoughts on 
Yeah. So you can uh, hey Richard. So you can use the conversation analysis and build the experience in your best way. Uh, like I said, we are a builders platform, so we don't build the pieces to for the end to end solution. So if you already have like a voice bot running in the system and you want to build the handoff from calls and summarize the entire call conversation and send that from an API call to the voice bot as a summary before the voice bot interaction starts, totally doable. The other part doable is that always have an agent on the call during the voice bot and your co-bot scenario can also be done by stitching two conversations together. So it's really the experience that you want to build, but you will have APIs to integrate very easily into both those scenarios. Mm. We've got a good question from Tyler Bryden. I'm assuming that, yeah, I didn't think I'd be able to read it. <laughs> I'll try and, uh, what I'll do is I'll turn it off, I'll read it, and I'll put it back on again. Uh, so Tyler says, I'd love to hear the differences, uh, opportunities, and challenges between speech data and text data. Uh, I love speech recognition, but there's obviously challenges with accuracy, whereas text is generally more accurate and well-structured. Are you finding differences in the value of insights that come out of different mediums? So you mentioned there's a, there's, there's a speech-to-text uh, solution, but I think that a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about, I'll, I'll be surprised if it is purely based on text. I wonder whether you can walk us through a little bit of your um, opportunities, challenges when working with audio versus speech-to-text. Yeah. Uh, hey, Tyler. Uh, so the the big part of Symbol as a platform that at least we have found challenges is, is how to normalize the speech to text data and make it available in a form that can be used for inferencing all the insights and understanding and analyzing that data. And you are right that uh, text data on other mediums like chat and email and SMS I wouldn't say SMS anymore, but uh, email data or chat data is a little more structured as compared to voice data. Also, it depends upon which domain the voice data exists. So in our experience, like contact center or sales agents or SDRs making phone calls, the voice data is very structured because they follow a script and they have to stick to those guidelines. There are predictable patterns. Uh, however, in more brainstorming sessions and meetings or in chaotic kind of like conversations which are not really following a script, it is more unstructured data. So a big part of work that we've done as Symbol is to find out ways in which we can normalize that speech recognition and bring it to a level of acceptance that then makes it applicable to be analyzed because it's otherwise it's like garbage in, garbage out <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so that's where we do a lot of work in kind of correcting, comprehending the mistakes, correcting some obvious issues. So if you talk about lettuce in the beginning, which is L-U-T space U-S, and you talk about lettuce in the end and it's interpreted as a vegetable, then you can actually go and correct it uh, because you have context of the entire conversation. So that's a lot of that that contextual understanding applied on speech recognition one helps us normalize that data and then the rest of the stuff is applied on top of it which has to has to make sure that context is taken into consideration otherwise in speech data people don't usually you know people write in a way write in a very totally different way as opposed to what they speak in like when you write you would refer the same entity again when you start the next sentence but when you talk you would not you would just co-reference it in multiple ways and so it's very important to have context in consideration while actually analyzing that normalized speech recognition data uh, this is one of the reasons why we build a platform and didn't use any out-of-the-box nlp apis uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can talk all day long about that uh, and have <laughs> <it> offline. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So how how much of what you do then relies on like text data versus audio processing? So it's obviously things like speaker diarization, you know, the end result of that is presumably it's a text file that has, yeah. you know, speakers identified, like if anyone's used Otter or something similar, Descript or something, you might be familiar with that kind of layout. Yeah. Um, but then you've got scenarios where you're identifying the sound of an answer phone beep to then be able to leave the answer phone message or detecting an answer phone in the first place. So that doesn't seem to me as though it's a speech recognition thing. I'm wondering whether you can, you know, maybe just give some examples of where audio itself is preferred versus where text in the end result is preferred? 
Yeah, I think uh, true contextual understanding comes by taking into consideration both mediums, both text and audio. And just uh, as any other startup, like, you know, you always have your own limitations of investing resources. And while understanding audio signals is a more solved problem, understanding the text signals and contextually interpreting is was a more unsolved problem. So as a company, we started on that aspect first and then slowly added other layers of audio in itself, which are more predictable in nature. Uh, so today we do, I would say, 70% uh, of our decision making is still on text and 30% we do consider audio signals in different ways and forms. And the goal is to be able to truly 100% capitalize both mediums uh, because you could, uh, you know, uh, talk in a very, uh, you could talk in a nice way, uh, but actually mean something very different uh, from how you speak about it. Uh, so those signals, sometimes you miss and then it appears as false positives. And uh, I think combining both those uh, channels would actually result in making the outcomes more relevant and accurate. Hmm. Cool. One more question, which we'll get through from Abhinav, and then I'd, I'd love to get into your thoughts on where, where things are heading, because this space seems to be just <laughs> completely exploding. So uh, yeah. we've got one question from uh, from Abhinav Singh, which is, uh, do you have plans to capitalize on metadata present in other data sources like CRM? So you're talking about contextual data, you know, CRM systems and others can provide some of that contextual data. Uh, any, any kind of examples of, maybe it's even not with CRM specifically, but any examples of how you might be using data from elsewhere to help uh, either improve the insights or to generate new use cases. Yeah, uh, hey Abhinav, so today the goal of Symbol is to really uh, provide product builders all the analysis from conversations and give you the power uh, and empower you know product builders to use that in conjunction with the metadata in CRM. So if you are building a CRM product and you have insights from CRM metadata, our goal is to enable you with conversation intelligence and insights that you will combine together and create the business logic that makes your product differentiated. And that's, I mean, because we are a horizontal platform, we work with CRM platforms building, you know, the revenue intelligence experience in their products. We work with uh, edtech platforms, uh, building a great content dictionary, post content. And so if for from us, from our standpoint, we don't want to own the metadata of any product. We want to give more metadata, which basically creates a more compelling experience for your own product. I hope that makes sense. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Essentially, it's, it's you're providing the capabilities and a level of control for engineering teams to be able to essentially piece together whatever it is they need to piece together to get them to where they need to be. And I think uh, no one knows uh, customers, your customers like you do when you're building mm. a product. Uh, and uh, even if CRM is, let's say CRM is such a big market, I mean, there it's so it's there are a huge number of products out there, but the segment and the USP that you have for the specific market segment that you are targeting is unique in itself. So if we try to analyze the metadata from CRM, it might not work as horizontally as we want it to be because we are not selling an end product. We are still selling a builder's platform with APIs that enables builders to go and create those compelling experiences, which is why our focus is always to make sure that we provide you case studies and recommendations on how other customers are solving this problem, but we still enable you to own that piece. Mm, wicked. What are some of the the most exciting case studies that you've seen you mentioned providing care what's some like the what are the ones that you like you re got you really excited when you've seen your product used in this in this kind of way yeah i am always amazed by how startups solve these problems at a pace that no one else can imagine we have a few case studies uh in uh, uh, as a startup, which I must mention, Vocalize, they're based in South Africa and they are building a, a contact center uh, experience, uh, a, a contact center intelligence uh, for uh, customers within that region itself. And they were able to spin up the entire experience on top of Symbol, I think, with a single developer in two to three months time frame. Uh, which is phenomenal with bootstrapping the business and getting multiple clients on that product. Uh, it absolutely amazed me uh, by looking at the time and effort they spent on 
figuring out the user experience piece and not actually building the machine learning infrastructure. And it is by far one of the most beautiful experiences that I have witnessed across many many products that I've worked with. Uh, so really kudos to the to their team and like three people team, but have built a compelling. So they they massively reduced the time taken uh, for market, the dollars invested, um, the go to market speed, and uh, the first iteration of experience that they built. That was awesome. Uh, and that's in the contact center space. So it's very relevant to what we're talking about. And it's it's all about scoring calls in a recorded fashion. So you upload your calls to uh, that product and then you can unconnect it directly to where your call recordings are being stored and they automatically create a call scoring algorithm for it. So that's a big one. And then the other one is in the emotional intelligence space with Evermore, which also is a company that I'm really excited about. They are solving uh, a problem around Gen Z and giving them a friendly, trusted experience where they can extract um, emotional uh, intelligence from those conversations and recommend uh, content and community to those Gen Z population. And they're also using Symbol within their own ecosystem in order to really provide value and understand what people are talking. So totally different use cases on other ends of the world, but both uh, both the custo- both our case studies are around the speed and the time that it took them from thinking to building that experience to actually making it live and the amount of capital that they invested in getting that uh, live within that short period of time. Interesting. Ever- Evermore was that, did you say? Yeah, that's right. Evermore. Interesting. I have to check that out. Um, it, it sounds, I mean, there's lots of different places. I know that like social audio at the, at the beginning of 2021 went through like a massive boom. And I think Twitter spaces seems to be doing all right. I think Clubhouse might have died out. But I, I do think that, you know, maybe it's the, maybe it's that particular thing went through that kind of, what is it, the peak of inflated expectations on that hype cycle. I think that probably got through that period a lot faster than most other technologies did simply because because of the situation that everyone was in, which was everyone's lockdown, then lockdown releases and and the hype dies down a bit. But I do think there's definitely a place for that social audio um, space and like Twitter spaces and things like that. Like I can imagine a place where, and maybe this is, you maybe a shine some light on how this might work, but part of the uh, challenge that kind of social media companies or anyone that wants to provide any degree of social audio, you can think of Anchor and others as well that, that have a similar kind of philosophy, Part of it is how do you moderate something that you can't see? How do you know whether someone's abusing somebody? <laughs> how do you know whether it's like violence kicking off? How do you know whether somebody's inciting like riots at the Capitol or whatever it might be? You know, so and then also how do you kind of like judge how engaging a room is to then be able to feed that higher up in the algorithm and all this kind of stuff? Seems to me as though this could be a potential perfect fit for this kind of technology. Yeah, absolutely. Such a such a key use case in uh, recommending or just exposing the content of the conversation within a room to the people outside the room so that one, you can attract more people to come within the room. Because I know if even if the room title is founders raising money and if someone is talking about experiences in series A, I'm very interested now to go and actually engage and participate and share my experiences. But founders raising money is too generic for me to be able to really understand whether should I be participating in that or not. Mm. So uh, recommending the actual live topic of discussion and making it available in like room details, like you click on it and you can see a quick recap of what has been talked about so far and this is the live topic going on will really enable uh, more engagement. And then obviously eventually understanding what kind of people participated, joined, and actually interacted at what point of time in the conversation and making sure that new rooms and content is recommended based on their engagement patterns in the previous ones uh, during the conversation, not just selecting which ones do I need to actually uh, view. I think those two are really compelling, like you said. We have a customer called Racket, such an amazing company and they're building uh, uh, they're building a great experience for enabling people to communicate within I think less than a minute uh, that's or 90 wow. seconds I think that's that's basically uh, their period and uh, it it has been amazing to see how they think about audio exchanges uh, within the ecosystem so yeah good company to check out mm, rocket 
got some homework to do after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can probably name all the 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 cool, awesome companies which are getting built right now in different different spaces as we are interacting with. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you could you should start your own podcast and just have all of those companies on the founders podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested though because I can see another use case which would be it made me think a little bit of this podcast right now. You know, the the topic was called exploring AI based conversation intelligence purposefully because you know we have explored lots of different avenues and you know within that umbrella there's lots of different subtopics that we've got into um but it reminds me a little bit of how like you know when you watch like i don't know the news on a morning and whatever the headlines being discussed will just be flat floating across the bottom yeah what, what's missing for things like this like platforms like restream that i use you know a huge broadcasting you know twitch which is owned by amazon a bunch yeah. of like either startups or large companies that are providing these environments for creators to create content but they don't necessarily have either the the team size or the bandwidth or the concentration to be able to create things like what's being discussed right now communicate that to the people tuning in so there's a whole bunch of use cases i can see around around this uh that apply yeah. all over the place Content distribution is a very, very big area of focus from a lot of customers that we work with. And a big part of that is just searching and indexing content. There is so much of content getting available uh, at this point of time, and not everything will be on video or audio or on text. It's going to be a mix of all. So building those experiences for uh search index of content, moderating that content, distributing that content, uh, and giving the right recommendations. Like, yeah, really big on, I think, because of COVID, we are seeing like massive amounts of digital content getting created. Yeah. Everyone's online, but uh, there are very few experiences that really maximizes the potential within those content. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about what's to be built in 2022 about it. Interesting. Is that is that one of the themes? What what are some of the other themes that you're noticing? Some of the other trends that you're observing happening, where Symbol AI is either playing right now or has the potential to in future. What are your kind of like 2022 trends? Yeah, I think the big one is uh, going beyond speech recognition. Uh, that's uh, that's a big theme that we are looking at at this point of time. Uh, last two years, a lot of people implemented speech recognition as their step one. And uh, uh, now when we talk to companies, they are more matured in their thinking is like, I don't want to just implement speech recognition and get a bunch of text data. What I really want to do is use it in order to inform uh, my uh, managers uh, or my onboarding time or improve my average call handling time or increase the number of sales calls that we are able to take or just create a more indexed knowledge base for my business. So like these use cases are becoming more matured and we are seeing a lot of customers uh, that already have transcription uh, coming to us and putting the, we, by the way, also have a text API that enables you to ingest transcription data. So if any, uh, any of the, uh, any of the companies already have integrated with the speech recognition solution, we can actually take the text generated as in form of transcript and create all those insights, actions, and knowledge on that transcript data as well. So we're seeing a lot of those uh, folks coming in at this point of time, which shows the maturity of the market towards thinking about use cases from audio and video and not just text, uh, mm. to, which I'm really excited about. Nice, wicked. Well, this has been absolutely unbelievable it's been fantastic i really appreciate you spending some time i mean at the back end of last year what what was really interesting uh for me speaking to a lot of different kind of like startups and stuff like that was finding the companies that are not kind of not pushing the status quo but companies that are trying to enable something new and innovative and different. And I think that my, my kind of summary at the back end of last year is that there's a lot of saturation and noise in the whole kind of NLP space in general, especially in the conversational AI space. And for either like users, developers, designers, strategists who need to use the technology or for businesses who are planning on how to utilize it effectively, it can be quite difficult to separate the wheat from the chaff and figure out who is actually, you know, who's decent, who, who's not and, and, and who's reliable, all kind of stuff. And I think that what's, what is interesting to me is finding those companies that are pushing the boundaries, enabling use cases that 
people might not have even thought about. I mean, the video I made yesterday on the promo for this was that was talking about how you can how you can extract data from conversations that you didn't even know existed, which I think is a lot of what we're kind of getting into. And so the world is your oyster kind of thing. So I'm a huge, huge fan of of, of the technology and some of the stuff that's been materialized with it. So I appreciate you spending some time with us and thank you very much. Thanks, Kane. Yeah, we're super pumped on what more use cases will be uncovered by conversation data. It's such an underutilized source today, and uh, it stops after speech recognition. So pushing that boundary is uh, one of the core important themes in the business. So yeah, I'm really excited to share share some of that today in the podcast. Nice one. Nice one. Well, if you are interested in taking a closer look, you can go to symbol.ai. For those on the podcast that can't see the URL, it's S-Y-M-B-L.ai. And uh, Serbi, any, any other resources or, or things like that that you would point people to? Anything anything else that people can go and check out or reach out or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to geek out on building some experiences, uh, we, do, uh, we launched a forever free plan uh, that enables you to try building uh, with Symbol on a monthly basis without actually paying anything, which is really awesome. We provide 1,000 minutes and 10,000 words of free processing. Uh, so if you want to geek out on building a cool experience, check out our GitHub, uh, GitHub repos. Uh, there are a bunch of those uh, open source applications that already exist. And uh, you can try your hands-on. We have a Slack support channel where you can drop in all the queries, which is open. And we have tons of engineers working and building awesome use cases. For all product managers and technical stakeholders and decision makers, uh, feel free to reach out to me directly. I'm happy to spend some time brainstorming use cases and identifying what's next in your business. Uh, so really excited about it fantastic well thank you very much I will put all of those links uh, in the show notes I'm a bit distracted because I'm finding the link for tomorrow's broadcast which I'm going to put in the chat in a minute ago uh, <laughs> I will definitely put all of those links in the show notes uh, on YouTube on uh, the podcast on the website and please do check it out and thank you everyone for tuning in it's been a cr- pretty active broadcast uh, we've had a lot of uh, lot of questions a lot of comments so thank you all for, for tuning in it's massively appreciated uh, we're back again tomorrow same bat time same bat channel we're talking to uh, benoit alvarez of qbox and if you are interested in that you can subscribe there if you're tuning in on the podcast and you want to know when these broadcasts are happening and, and the upcoming guests then please do go to vux.world forward slash subscribed and if you are not subscribed already where have you been all my life uh, you can also subscribe to <laughs> you can also subscribe to my linkedin newsletter which is going really well it's uh, over 3000 subscribers now and every single week every tuesday we uh, publish or i publish uh, what's been going on in the world of conversational ai and natural language processing there's funding announcements there's partnership announcements there's deals announcements there's news new product releases uh, general analysis and commentary on what's going on in this space so uh, You'll have to go to my LinkedIn profile and find it because LinkedIn doesn't make the URLs that uh, that approachable. But uh, anyway, thank you for tuning in. And Serbi, thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure to have you along. And we will see you, those that join us, tomorrow. <laughs>